Welcome to Season 10 of the Sustainable Asia podcast. Will China save Antarctica's ocean? This is a special season supported by the Pew Charitable Trusts. And we've asked Jennifer Turner, director of the China Environment Forum for the Woodrow Wilson Center, to chat with four Chinese experts about why creating more marine protected areas in the southern ocean surrounding Antarctica is good for the planet and good for China. Jennifer introduced us to these Chinese experts through a webinar she hosted on the subject, China's role in saving the wild southern ocean. Check it out at the China Environment Forum website. We'll put a link to it on the show notes. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Turner. In this podcast series, we are exploring the question, will China be a global conservation leader by approving proposed new marine protected areas in Antarctica? But first, we need to dive, pun intended, into some history. Marine life in Antarctica started being protected in 1982 through an agreement called the Convention on the Conservation of Antarctic Marine Living Resources. The commission overseeing this agreement is called CAMLER, and it includes 25 member countries and the European Union. China joined CAMLER in 2007, and a few years later, the commission established its first marine protected areas in Antarctica. Marine protected areas, MPAs, are an important conservation tool that limits fishing in certain parts of the ocean to safeguard marine ecosystems and support healthy fisheries. 2020 was supposed to be the super year of nature, but many high-level meetings to push forward global action on climate change and biodiversity loss were postponed because of the pandemic. But it turns out that this October, Kamler is still meeting, and there are three new MPAs up for approval. The Weddell Sea, East Antarctic, and Antarctic Peninsula MPAs. Alongside two MPAs already managed by Kamler near the South Orkney Island and in the Ross Sea, a network of MPAs would be created in the Southern Ocean to safeguard this pristine marine ecosystem. Okay. Now that we have that basic understanding out of the way, we can turn to the intriguing question, why do we care so much about protecting Antarctic waters? For that question, I thought it best to check in with Dr. Lee Binbin, an assistant professor of environmental science at Duke Kunshan University near Shanghai. While Dr. Lee was studying to get her PhD in the United States, marine protected areas in Antarctica were a hot topic. That was around... 2016, we were teaching the course Conservation Biology, and we had one of the guest speakers who was Dr. Robert, and he actually was in a work to promote Ross Sea to be the marine protected areas. Dr. Roberts is a well-known expert on the effectiveness of marine protected areas and the impacts of fishing on marine life. His work and that of other marine scientists are key to ensuring protected areas are based on the best available science. Antarctica's Rossi MPA is a 2 million square kilometer area that protects critical habitat, including breeding and foraging grounds for a multitude of penguins, seals, krill, whales, 
toothfish, and other species in the Southern Ocean of Antarctica. And what was more lucky is I got the chance to to Antarctica because there are a lot of Chinese tourists now traveling to Antarctica. And for a lot of cruise ships, they want to have these lectures related to conservation. So then I got the chance to go with the cruise ship and that was my first time and to go to Antarctica. And what a trip it was. She shared some stunning pictures when she spoke at my center recently. In trying to answer my earlier question, why do we care so much about protecting Antarctica? Dr. Lee described this experience while she was on the cruise ship. I was giving a lecture related to climate change and ocean and why protected areas are important. And I remember I was showing pictures of the tourists enjoying themselves. And when the lights went on, and I realized actually it touches their hearts. If we don't protect these areas, your children probably won't be able to see the beautiful things you have just experienced or the penguins and whales that you just witnessed. But Dr. Lee's story doesn't just end with her cruise trip to Antarctica. Inspired by her trip, she headed back home to China to work on conservation education there. To solve problems is one of my goals for my career. And conservation science, which is actually uh, motivated by the crisis of biodiversity loss and nature degradation, And after my PhD study, I decided to come back to China because I already know a lot about what is going on in Western worlds. I think it's a good place to actually um, do more research and motivate more people to do actions and interventions to prevent further loss of the biodiversity. So now Dr. Li teaches university students in China about conservation science and biodiversity protection. And her ties and passion for the Antarctic remain strong. So at first I did not realize this may have a tight connection to China. But as we know more about how Antarctica is related to China, to Chinese industry expansion, and not just one country, but every country should collaborate and to protect the areas that actually is far away from their own countries. So I asked Dr. Lee, how would you explain to your students why it is so important to have marine protected areas in the Southern Ocean? So basically start with the biodiversity and food chain in Antarctica, especially for some keystone species like crails. They really depends on ice, especially sea ice. However, as climate changes and glaciers are melting, sea ice are retreating, it influences the populations of krills. So the influence from fishery and also climate change has caused the reduction of krill populations. And a lot of species who depend on krills, they also have declining populations. So as Dr. Lee just explained, krill are at the center of the food web. No krill means no fish, no seals, and no cute penguins. Yet krill in the Southern Ocean are one of the most targeted marine species for international fishing fleets, 
including those from China, because krill are used for fish feed and aquaculture and increasingly as omega-3 oil supplements. So then, how can marine protected areas help safeguard the krill? For marine protected areas, actually, there are a lot of studies already show that by protecting these areas, people around the MPA, they can enjoy the spillover of the fish population to the area that they can fish. Uh, the only thing is whether people already have the rights to fish in these areas and how to allocate the benefit to the people who are in the MPA for fishery. But I think the general patterns from all of the studies I've already shown protecting certain areas, we will get more than we're not protecting that before. So marine protected areas not only safeguard the rich ecosystem of marine life in Antarctica, they also are widely used in sustainable fisheries management. To learn more about how China uses MPAs for fisheries management, I turned to Dr. Julia Shui, because she has decades of experience in China focusing on marine conservation and the law of the sea. Dr. Shui is currently director of the Center for Polar and Deep Sea Development at Shanghai Jiao Tong University. Her love of the sea started during her college years. I grew up in inland area in northern part of China. And I came to Qingdao, a beautiful coastal city there. And my university, the college, just near shore. Within minutes, I will be in the, in the ocean. So from there, I, I, I sort of really uh, got the, the passion to the ocean and to the beautiful living creatures in the ocean, the fish. So that's really keep me going for so many years. Dr. Shui's career has been built around protecting the seas inside and outside of China's territorial waters. She told me that China is the world's largest producer and exporter of both wild-caught and farmed fish, a distinction that has resulted in high environmental costs. So marine protected areas, Dr. Shui told me, are critical for sustainable fisheries management to safeguard breeding grounds, particularly when the fish have high economic value. They will be caught by all the fishing boats and fishermen. In that sense, that's why MPA is very important for fisheries. I think MPA, like your, your bank, you, you get the seed there and then you keep on using the resources. Is there an example that you can think of in China of an MPA that has benefited fisheries? Earliest MPA in China is a fisheries conservation zone. And they're trying to protect some species and set up from 1950s. Otherwise, we wouldn't have, you know, those species because the, the fishing capacity is so high in China. Those IPAs keep the industry going for so many years. According to Dr. Shui, since the 1950s, China has lost 50% of their coastal wetlands, 70% of their mangroves, and 80% of all coral reefs, significantly depleting fish and other marine species habitats. So... To rescue coastal habitats and ecosystems from further destruction, China started to establish MPAs. Since the 1980s, China has increased the number of marine protected areas and marine parks to protect sensitive coastal waters. And under China's 2008 National Ocean Development Plan, 5% of its water should be under marine protected area designation by this year. Recently, Dr. Shui completed a comprehensive study of China's MPA system. 
We visited many MPA sites and we talked to the managers, we talked to the local community people there and also the scientists who were associated with the MPA work. So we see the changes and also we see the problems and we want to make the improvement or advancement of China's MPA management. Economic development has come at the high cost of resources and environment. That we didn't know that until, you know, after so many years, we found we, we pay such a high cost. And that's why I think the government and also the, the public thinks we need to do something seriously. Back in 1992, China and 168 other signatories agreed on the first global treaty for the conservation and sustainable use of biological diversity, known informally as the Biodiversity Convention, or CBD. In 2010, China, alongside other countries, agreed to protect 10% of the world's coastal and marine areas by the end of this year. That's quite an important goal because it gave you a very clear kind of target. And for China, I think it's probably work both from the internal kind of pressure for a decent environment and to push the government to do something. And from the external, I think China wants to be a responsible state. China really wants to show how much effort China had put into that area. So I think with that will be something more stimulating for China to examine. Probably that will help China to ratify the, the Southern Ocean MPAs or to become more active player in those international forums. So China ratified the goal to protect 10% of the world's coastal and marine areas by the end of this year as a signatory of the Biodiversity Convention. And as Dr. Shui indicated earlier, under its National Ocean Development Plan, China will set aside 5% of its own territorial waters as marine protected areas. There may be a quantity versus quality argument that bears discussion, but at least China is attempting to reach that goal. Which leads to the real issue of this episode, why should China agree at the Kamler meeting in October to establish three new marine protected areas in the Southern Ocean of Antarctica? So I think this is a decision that needs to balance the near future and far future benefits. That is always a hard decision to make because, for example, the right to fish in certain areas actually is important for the growth or for the needs in China. Dr. Li is referring to what we discussed earlier. Many of China's territorial waters no longer have abundant supplies of seafood, so China relies on the distant water fishing in the high seas and places like Antarctica to supplement their fishing industry. I think when we make the decision or gamble about what we can get in the near future and far future, we should consider the importance of Antarctica in the whole ecological process, especially as China are developing and taking on the leadership of environmental movements in the world. China and also people, younger generations, they should see further away and to link different parts of the world together and to consider Earth as a whole ecosystem instead of just considering what is happening within one country. This episode one of season 10, Will China Save Antarctica's Ocean, is supported by the Pew Charitable Trusts, 
and hosted by Jennifer Turner, director of the China Environment Forum for the Woodrow Wilson Center. It was produced by Sustainable Asia, including me, Marcy Trent Long, and associate producer Charmaine Lee. Thanks to our guests, Dr. Li Binbin and Dr. Julius Shui. Sound engineering by Chris Wood, Alexander Mobison created the intro-outro music made from repurposed and recovered waste items. Thank you.